Hi everyone, my name is Sofia Huerta and I play professional soccer for the OL Reign and you are listening to Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there everybody and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports. I don't say, and I'm trying not to say the podcast as much because obviously there's people watching this in a video format. Um, I am joined today by Mia Filardi. Obviously, if you don't know, haven't seen the article, haven't seen the, the coverage that we had, Mia is a big part of the reason that UW women's hockey even became a thing. Um, obviously, well, not obviously, but technically not with the team right now, but obviously such a big part of creating that. Me and I had a great chat to even have us in the uh, Iceplex to look at these games and just kind of follow along with that. So me, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me. Um, how have things been for you? I know I, I, we're going to talk about it later, but I'm sure it might've been a little bit difficult watching the season, the rest of the season play out once you head it over. Um, but how have things been for you? Obviously just seeing how things have grown the reception, but also you know, doing your own thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm currently studying abroad in France, which is why I'm not in Seattle. Um, it's been going great. I'm having a great semester so far. Um, gotten a lot of traveling done, gotten a lot of sightseeing, meeting new people. Um, I definitely miss Seattle and especially the team. And I'm ready in the fall to head back and uh, be a part of the team again and get on the ice again. I definitely miss that part. Yeah, I was wondering, I was like, I don't know if they've got any uh, rinks over there that you can use, but uh, might be a I think there's... Um, a youth league, but I, I didn't see any women's teams. I almost was a volunteer coach, but didn't have any time. So, yeah, just mostly youth and men's hockey. So definitely itching to get back out there, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, want to take us back to the earlier years and where things really began for you. I know that um, in research it said that you began, well, you had time playing uh, club hockey in Boston. We'll get that into a sec. But where did that really begin? Was it Was it youth hockey like you were just kind of speaking about? um was it club hockey how did your journey on the ice really take off or where was the really starting point for you yeah so I actually started playing hockey in southern California I lived there until I was 14 um yeah so I started because I was playing a whole bunch of sports you know soccer gymnastics basketball like whatever I could get my hands when I was playing um my older brother he's two years older than me. Um, and he joined hockey because my parents were from Connecticut. They're diehard Bruins fans. So, like, so he joined hockey a couple of years before me. And I was just always at the rink because of that, always at practices, always at games, just watching in the stands. And I figured, hey, if I'm going to be here all the time, I might as well like ice, right? I might as well start playing. Um, so I started, I was actually the only girl in the entire organization. I was playing with entirely boys from squirt all the way up to like midget, like 18, 19 years old. I was a whole girl, only girl in the whole thing um, on the Ventura Mariners. And that was a lot of fun. Um, definitely different playing with guys and those girls. Um, I really enjoyed my teammates, uh, really had a lot of fun traveling. We did a lot of tournaments. That was just a club team. You know, we did Colorado for tournaments and all over California, San Jose. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then I did that for a couple of years. And when I was 14, so I was about nine to 10 when I started And when I was 14, um, the men's, the boys team started checking. Um, and when that was fun, I did one season of checking, it was fun, but I was like, maybe it'll be nice to play with girls and try something different. Um, so my parents, bless them, drove an hour and a half through LA every day or a couple times a week to get me onto the ducks. Um, with traffic, it was up to three hours, so it was horrendous for them. Thank you, thank them for doing that. But um, so I joined Lady Ducks, Anaheim Lady Ducks team, um, just for one season. I was the captain of that team when I was there, um, and playing with girls was like a whole new world. It was incredible. Um, just I, I liked playing with boys, but playing with girls was just so much more eye-opening. You know, it's less physical, more about strategy, more about skating abilities, and um, yeah, it's just a whole different game out there. Um, so then, yeah, California. And then when I was after that season, when I was 15, we moved to Boston and that's when I really got, got going. Um, there's a lot more opportunities for girls to play hockey in Boston than there are in Southern California. Um, so I just, I just dove in, I jumped in, I played, um, club hockey, town hockey, high school hockey. There was like a summer league. I was doing it all. I was like five days a week on the ice. It was, it was amazing. I loved every minute of it. Um, so many different people, so many different teams that I met. A lot of traveling around Massachusetts and the Northeast. Um, yeah, so that was really incredible. 
Uh, and then I, after high school, took a year and went to Finland for a year. I was an exchange student and I played on the women's team there. Um, that was a lot of fun. Just, it was a different vibe than the teams I'd been on. It was, um, you know, women. So it was age like 15 to like 45 or 50 um, on the team. So just anybody in the town who wanted to play could come out and play. And it was still competitive. We still traveled around Finland and um, played in a lot of games. And that was a whole different experience. And that was a lot of fun. So then I got to UW and I was, when I got off the ice in Finland on my last game, I was like, oh, it's my, my last game, you know, ever playing hockey. How sad. And I thought I could live with that, being okay with that. <laughs> and then I came to Seattle and I was not okay with that. I lasted maybe like one quarter and I was like, oh no, I miss it too much. So um, then I just got this team going here and I'm very excited that we're at the place that we are right now. I'm really excited for the team. It's really interesting to hear the, you know, comparison and contrast in the different places that you've kind of touched on, obviously, you know, with California and how, and, you know, there was that contingency of hockey there and then Boston, which it sounds like is effectively in in some ways i don't want to ruffle any feathers for places other ways uh hockey heaven in a way for you at least um and then you know going over to finland and um and that culture and then coming here which i mean at least for the longest time from obviously the thunderbirds are here and everett played up in everett um and there is that history here but i'm sure it was a much different environment hockey wise um than those other stops along the way. Um, so, I mean, I guess you kind of touched on it, but do you have any more uh, thoughts or memories to share from your time in Boston uh, playing the sport? Yeah, um, Boston was the time that I really, I think, grew a lot in my hockey career. Um, it was really just being surrounded by girls that were passionate about the same sport as me and being surrounded by opportunities to play. Um, in California, the sport's definitely growing, but, and I think there's more opportunities now, but when I was there, it was really just either play with boys or drive three hours to play with the girl, the girls team. Um, and it was okay, but Boston definitely has a lot more opportunities for girls, um, and for women, especially in college now. Um, yeah. So let's see memories. Um, I think honestly, the best part about it was my high school hockey team because never before had I played with people that I go to school with my team in California was just club it was just like guys from around the area different towns but none of them were really in my school um but being just like surrounded by my teammates at school seeing them we were able to do like um before game day we'd wear like our jerseys to school or we like blackout or whiteout or something like that and just have fun themes and then team dinners before the games team breakfast things like that it was like a much more of a community um, then the club hockey teams that I played on, those were fun during tournaments when you travel, but this was more of like an all the time community, um, that you get to see them every day and interact with them every day. And I think that was one of my, a lot of my best memories come from just being in high school with my teammates. And that was incredible for me. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, playing, uh, team sports, obviously. I mean, I think you hit it on the head, just that sort of environment was always really fun, you know, wearing the jersey the day of, uh, obviously everything that came with that. No, I mean, that that's definitely makes a lot of sense where you're coming from with, uh, with that. Um, this one is interesting because I, I did an interview a few weeks ago with somebody who said they did not have a favorite person in their sport growing up, which kind of boggles my mind. Um, did you have any hockey players that you idolized growing up? Was that a thing for you? I always, I, it, it, I'm curious to ask that now ever since I got that answer. Cause I feel like it's, if you're going to play at even the collegiate level, you know, it's, you almost usually do have someone that you, you know, have a favorite player or something like that. But is that the case for you? Is it not the case? How is a, uh, did you have any of those people growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had some role models growing up. Um, like I said, I started off with boys so most of my early hockey experience and knowledge was shaped just by boys. Um, so my idols were, you know, NHL players. There was, of course, like Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin, all the important ones. And we were in Kings territory. So there was the Drew Doughty and the Jonathan Quick and people like that. Um, just, you know, and rivals with the Ducks. So Corey Perry, it was just, it was that era of just like my entire hockey knowledge was just men and boys. Um, and I think joining the Lady Ducks really changed that for me. I didn't really know that there were professional women's hockey players. Um, 
um, my coach, I remember her telling me about Cami Granado for the first time. And my mind was just blown. Like that was just like, oh my gosh, she plays professionally. Like that's crazy. Like I didn't know women did that. Um, and then the Boston pride formed the NWHL team. When I was in Boston, they had their inaugural season when I was there and I got to go to the, one of their earlier games. And I actually like ran into Hillary Knight in the, in the stands. She wasn't playing. I like walked by her and I was like, oh my God, that was Hillary Knight. Like that's crazy. Um, and then of course I was at the winter classic 2016 or something where the NWHL played um, on New Year's Eve um, before the game on New Year's Day. And that was the tournament, unfortunately, or the game, unfortunately, where Denna Lang got hurt. She broke her neck and is paralyzed now from the neck down. So I watched that and that was horrendous, of course, to watch. Um, but I sort of just found out who she was from that, found her Instagram a couple of days later and just been like following it ever since, just following her journey all the way through recovery. She's kicking ass right now, doing amazing. So I actually saw her at that inaugural, or one of the first Pride games too. So I have a picture with her. Um, so that was pretty cool. So I think over time, my idols have shifted more into the female genre, but of course I still still watch the NHL, still love, love the players in the NHL. And especially now on the crack is actually um, Ryan Donato is actually from my hometown, from my town in Boston, in Situate, Mass. So that's pretty cool to watch him there. Um, it's a little representation from my high school. That was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, with Ryan, at least, I mean, it's, I would, I know he's been a pretty uh, big fan favorite here. And I would certainly like to see him back, you know, but obviously that's up to the front office. Um, no, again, it's right. totally, it, it's always interesting to me to ask that question because I was stunned when I was told, no, I didn't have a favorite player growing up or anything like that. I was like, huh, okay. Um, but no, you know, with, with Cammy at least, I know having her in the organization was really cool. Um, it was just kind of funny to me yeah. when um, we started selling her book here uh, with the team store. And then the next day she signed to join the Canucks uh, organization. I was like, oh, <sighs> um, but no, it's no. certainly really cool to see the way that, you know, women's hockey continues to grow. Obviously, I know that there's, I don't know how to put it, but there's some stuff going on between um, the two of the professional leagues. So that's certainly interesting. Um but talking to Kim Sass about it and just you know, learning from her about being a professional in women's, uh, women's hockey was, was a lot of cool. And I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, this one is kind of interesting. I mean, I look at sports a lot um, as a great ways to teach lessons. I mean, I kind of have to when you cover as many teams as we do. Um, but it, it, there's just so much that goes into it and so much that plays into the, the world of sports with, you know, getting youth uh, players involved, uh, what it brings to businesses around the area, the stadiums are, there's so much that goes into sports. Um, so I guess I think it's important to ask this question. Is there a uh, important lesson that sticks out to you that the sport of hockey has taught you, or is that something that you might not think about as much? No. Yeah, definitely. And I think, the more I play, the, the more lessons come with it. It's not just like one, one and done thing. Um, each, each step of the way, each team I'm on, each new leadership role I have, I learned something totally new about myself. Um, originally, you know, it's sports in general. I think you probably heard this a lot, just like teamwork, working with others, learning how to be selfless and not, you know, hawk the puck on the ice and pass to your teammates once in a while and things like that. Um, and off the ice too, you know, how to, um, make friends with with people that you don't have really have anything in common with except for a sport um you know go to the same school you know, you know things like that um but the more I, the more i the more i play and the longer i go the more i learn from hockey i used to coach little kids they were like four and they really taught me just have fun with it let go don't take it so seriously um now i've had a couple leadership positions and getting this team started um it's really given me like an opportunity to discover myself and get more confidence in myself as a leader. Um, and also to just discover that I am really passionate about this and discover that I love sharing this passion with people. Um, so I love getting people started in hockey who have never played before. Um, that's like my favorite thing is watching them try it for the first time. It really like the sense of community that you get from this sport. Um, so yeah, I've learned a lot about myself, a lot about, you know, becoming a more confident person, becoming leadership uh, in leadership position, 
how to be, you know, a president of a team. Sometimes you, it's not always nice. You just, you got to do things and you got to push people to respond. And sometimes you, nobody comes to your meetings and you just got to, you know, work, learn how to work with that. And, um, you know, it's been a really a long learning experience. And I know that the longer I play, the more I'm going to learn. So it's, it's been incredible. And I am excited to like, continue on. I know that at this point, if I, if I could get this team started at UW, I don't think I'm ever going to stop playing hockey because I've tried and it just doesn't work for me. So I'm excited to keep the lessons coming as I learn, as I keep with my hockey career. You know, you talk about continuing to play. It's interesting to me uh, when I would watch Kraken practices, obviously they're not doing as much as the actual players necessarily, but seeing um, how much the coaches still, you know, have the skates, have the sticks and even, even referees. I mean, they're, that's part of their job is skating around. It's, I don't know. I yeah. find that part in hockey interesting because you still have to technically be pretty active in that regard, um, even if your playing days might be over. So it's, it is funny how sports kind of stick around with you in that regard. I don't play anything at this level anymore, uh, but I still you know, want to go hit a baseball. I, my friend RJ with Airborne City Hockey wants me to join his beer league. I don't know if that'll happen. I still have to fully get skating down, a little, yeah. little puck. But uh, I, I'll, I'll work on it. We've got time over the summer. Um, with that being said, you talked about some of the leadership roles and obviously, you know, being a president and things and having to do adult kind of things. And obviously that's not always the fun part, but getting over to UW here and kind of the, you know, the reason that I know you now. Um, I know that over the pandemic, obviously, kind of things were tough and obviously trying to set something like this up, it's going to be way harder than it normally would be if it was under standard circumstances. Um, obviously, there was some doubt. I'm sure it's like, hey, you know, people aren't, it was just a difficult time overall. What positives uh, were there for you at the time? Because obviously, I'm sure that with the pandemic and how things were going, you can't, you could look at the negatives. But what encouraging signs were, you, uh, were there for you to say, hey, you know, people are still in this. We're obviously still going to continue to do this. Um, what kept you, I guess, going? What was the positives um, that were around at the time that continued, obviously, the hope to get this whole thing started? Yeah, that's a really good question, because I feel like whenever I get asked something like that, it is about what are the challenges of starting a team in a pandemic, which there were plenty. Um, but there were also lots of positives. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that would keep me going um, on a day when I feel like nobody's responding or we're not going to, this isn't going to happen. You know, people aren't believing in us. Um, I, our UW women's hockey email, we would get occasional emails from students, like just girls at UW who are emailing like, Oh my gosh, I saw your uh, Instagram post or I saw a flyer somewhere. And this is really cool. And like, once it's up and running, like, let me know, I really want to join. And people DMing me on Instagram personally, like, is this happening? Like I've never played before, but it sounds like a lot of fun. So, you know, just knowing that there were people out there who wanted to play um, in the middle of a pandemic, they were taking time out of their day to reach out to me and ask about it. That really meant a lot to me. Um, just those, even if it wasn't a lot, there were just a few people out there who were just like, this is cool. Keep going with it. Um, so that was very inspiring. And then that was pretty early in the pandemic. That was when UW shut down. We all went home. So I was at home in Boston, um, but coming back to Seattle, still shut down, still online classes. Um, but a, a year later, finding finding our coaches was, I think, the next big major positive in our team because that really got the ball rolling. That was when I knew, like, okay, this is actually going to happen. Like, this is something that is very feasible. We can do this. I mean, we always had the men's coach, Matt Clayton, on our side, but finding some of our own coaches, Mel White, Michaela Flaherty, and Coach Zip, um, Lisa Zipperi, that those were like incredible steps along the way. Um, and we had some other people reach out about that too. So just like seeing that the interest was there and knowing that like, even though we have no money in the bank, these people are still willing to help us out. That was, that was incredible. So those were definitely big positives that really got the momentum going. And then obviously being back in person, pushed push the momentum even further. We were able to do some recruiting in person, get almost the whole team recruited in Red Square. So <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. And it you know, at least in seeing it recently, seeing, um, have, I think a couple of times they've had the tent up in Red Square. Um, yeah. It is kind of cool to see, you know, when they have people come over to look at it, you know, because obviously anytime I go to Red Square and there's something going on, it's like, oh, let's go check it out. And just to see people going up and having those conversations, I'm sure it continues to drum up interest. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, I wanted to focus on that because I know that I'm sure the struggles were well documented. 
right? But obviously there's a different side to that coin and I want to explore that. Um, and then it's ironic that I say that because of this next question, but was there ever a time that it hit a really low or it's like, hey, I don't really think this is going to happen? Or were you able to sort of keep that persistence, keep that you know, drive and hope this was going to happen and you didn't really look at it ever that way? Or was, was there a moment where it maybe got to that point where it's like, I don't think this might happen? There's, there's one moment that sticks out in my memory. Um, and it was pretty early on in COVID. It wasn't necessarily like, let's just quit and give up altogether, but it really was just like, you know, we're not too far into this. Um, we're having, I'm having a bad day. Nobody's responding to me. The Facebook messenger has maybe a Facebook group has maybe like three people in it. We don't, we've never been in person together. We've never gotten together. We don't have any pictures of us. I think I was trying to make a, a, a flyer for something on PowerPoint. And I was like, I don't know how to do graphic design. I don't have any pictures. I was like Googling generic hockey pictures and putting like skates on the slide and like making it purple for UW. Um, just my feeble attempt at a flyer. Um, but yeah, so I remember that moment specifically. I was just sitting at home in, in Boston. We weren't even back in Seattle. And I was like, nobody's really committing to this. Like, um, you know, it just seems like we're not, we're not too deep in where we could stop now and it would be okay. Um, but I think the drive has always been there of like, no, I really want this to happen. I really want to play hockey at, at, at school at UW. I really think it's important for other women too. Um, so, you know, just one or two bad days like that. And, but there's so many moments of um, hope and just perseverance and people reaching out and being like, you should do this. So definitely the, the, positive outweigh the negatives but yeah there have been at least one time when I'm like maybe we shouldn't do this but um yeah yeah I mean once you started talking about it earlier about you know the hunger to play hockey again I kind of figured with you Mia that that wasn't the thing that stuck around (laughs) that that idea of maybe giving up so no I I I kind of knew uh once you started talking about it that way but figured because I know that there are some times with some of these things even sometimes with these professional teams where things don't happen and they get really right. close to not coming into fruition. Um, you touched on the coaching staff a little bit. Um, and I know that I think with talking with coach white, which will be out by now um, that they approached you guys. What was the first impression of the coaching staff? I know that, you know, when you're creating a team and you're the president, obviously, and you're helping found this whole thing, you want the right people in place. Um, how did that go early on? Was it, oh, you know, kind of blown away at first or just working through things and trying to build an understanding of where things want to be? What was that first impression with the coaching staff? So originally, I guess I started off with Matt Clayton, the men's coach, and he was just sort of helping us along the way. So we always had at least one person who was dedicated to coaching us, um, but we knew we would have to find more because he's the head coach of the men's team. He's very busy. Um, and we weren't actually actively recruiting for coaches at all. We were just sort of getting information about the team out into the world. And we had people um, reach out to us. A lot of people who were like, hey, this is really cool. I want to be involved. How can I be involved? Um, so we had obviously the three coaches that we have now reach out, um, Mel, Michaela, and Zip. And they, they reached out, Fonnie, co-founder and I, Fonnie, we, we interviewed them over Zoom, you know, asked them what's your um, timeline look like? What do you want to do with this team? Questions like that. Like how dedicated are you? How many days a week can you be here? Things like that. Um, And how long-term are you? Um, We also had people reach out. They wanted to be sort of equipment managers or another coach that was coaching like six other teams and she was too busy. So I think sort of this team, just this coaching team just sort of like settles into place. Um, And it wasn't really anything like, oh, you're hired, you know, it was just sort of like, sure, you can help us out. And like, we, we need help with this. Are you willing to help with this and things like that? And then this group sort of formed and they mesh really well together. The coaching staff, they work really well together. And I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. I'm very grateful for all of them for, for wanting to do this. Um, and, you know, we might find more people down the road to help out. We might not like, who knows it's at this point, I think the coaching staff is working really well. Um, and our, our little interviews, um it wasn't really an interview like a job interview it's just sort of like it gets to know you thing and I'm glad that we did that because we met a lot of interesting people and we got a really good group going here for our our team just just a you might have seen me react to it but did you see a coach (laughs) 
that was already coaching six teams? That was an exaggeration. There's, okay, I was like, there was one woman who was like, hell? no, yeah, she was coaching one or two other teams, I think, and she wanted to be our head coach, but then she emailed and was very polite, was like, hey, I just don't think I have the time to dedicate to this team, so yeah, <laughs> no, definitely not six. <laughs> okay, um, but no, to the general aspect of that, obviously, you know, again, I'm sure you want the right people in place, but to hear how that group works together and um, seeing everybody there and how that, I mean, it was, I remember during the last, well, the last game before the puck place tournament took place, um, just seeing different coaching uh, members of the staff get involved, talking to the players on the bench. I think I took, I brought my camera that day because I wanted to get my own photos for it. Um, and just seeing different coaches sort of step up during timeouts. I, don't, I thought that was pretty cool because sometimes you might not see that. Sometimes it's just one person doing the talking. Um, but obviously with how this has all sort of formed, I'm sure that there's been so many working pieces. You just, again, want to have the right people in place. Um, mm-hmm. I know this might be sort of tough. And then the next one might be tough as well, because this is relating to watching the season unfold um, since you left it, but I'm sure you might have a few, but what are some of your favorite memories uh, that you have from the, the inaugural season as a whole. I know that there were a lot of pains, I'm sure, to try and get everything going and try to continue things going because I'm sure at sometimes maybe people were unsure about continuing. Might have been tough getting games scheduled, you know, working. I know that getting Montana set up was a whole thing. Uh, Boise State was supposed to come over. Um, what are the positive memories that you take from the inaugural season? Yeah, and I mean, there were some pains, but I think definitely the good outweigh the bad in this inaugural season they were way way more positive memories and positive experiences and just growing experiences than there were bad things um I was only there for the fall quarter I left um, around Christmas time um so definitely I have some good memories from the fall I don't have memories about Montana because I wasn't there but um I think something that really stands out to me well okay I have to say like every single time with this team, it's a good memory. Like just being there, just being on the ice, um, just looking around and practice, seeing all these people who have never played hockey before, just dive in, go buy gear and come on the ice and learn how to skate and how to handle a puck. That's just incredible. Like I'm so proud of this team. And every time I'm on the ice and smiling, cause it's just like, wow, these people really just want to try this sport and are, are developing this passion that it's incredible to watch them really dedicate themselves to it. Um, but I think if one memory stands out to me, it would have to be our, I think we called it like Washington Women's Hockey Night. Um, it was our first home game that we hosted. Um, it was on the big ice in the in the Kraken Community Ice Flex KCI, um, where, you know, all the professionals play. That's where the Kraken practice with the stands and everything. So that was pretty cool. Um, our first home game, our first time selling tickets. Um, and it was intended to be originally against Montana, um, but they weren't able to come. And then we tried to rally some other teams together. But unfortunately, one of the challenges of, of starting a women's team in the Pacific Northwest is that there aren't that many other teams, especially at the collegiate level. There's some women's teams nearby. We play Seattle women's hockey a lot. But um, there's a lot of schools around that are trying to get started. And I know Western's trying to start a team. Um, I was messaging with the, the men's team at Oregon, Oregon Dutch. They're trying to get a team going. I don't know how that's going, but um, and I think Wazoo might, they have a website, but I don't know who's, who's on the team now, but um, a lot of, a lot of the schools around us don't actually have teams that we can play against at this point. I think we're actually, I, I heard this somewhere. I don't know if it's true, but I, I've heard that we're the first collegiate team, women's collegiate team in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so that's incredible that we're the first, but also, you know, makes it hard to place people. So um, that night, the Washington women's hockey night turned into us playing ourselves and inviting four girls down from Western. Um, and they joined one of our teams. They're trying to get a team going up there. So we tried to help them out, give them some advice, um, got them on the ice. They played a game against us. It was like us playing ourselves with some Western people mixed in. But yeah, that really stands out because that was our first home game. That was just incredible. Like all my friends came, they brought signs, they made signs saying like, go Mia. And it was super cool. It's just like a really fun experience of like, wow, like all of our hard work paid off and we really made this happen. And it was really just such a positive memory of like all these people turned out in the stands for us. The people from Western came down for us and to play against us. And 
really just like a gathering of women's hockey community. And it was really a really important night, I think, for our team. Yeah, no, I was curious to see, I don't know, again, uh, with keeping up with some of them, do you have any knowledge of some of that momentum since you started uh, back in the beginning of the season with this of other teams around the area that might have started obviously you talked about Oregon I did see that there was the website for Washington State but it's kind of bare bones at the moment mm-hmm. um do you know if there's any more of the momentum for that or is it just kind of still trying to I've heard bits and pieces and you're not too sure about um you know any any more actual progress yeah well I know for a fact that there's um one or two very dedicated people at Western who are trying to get this team going but I do think that they are seniors or juniors right now. So they don't have that much time left, but we're trying to support them however, however we can. Um, but I think our placement in pretty much downtown Seattle, as long as well as the timing of the cracking coming, as well as, you know, having the resources with the coaches, I really think that we had a lot going in our favor, um, just our location and the size of our school. And a lot of schools around us don't necessarily have the same opportunities as us. So it's important to us also to support the other teams um, Oregon, I found out about them because their men's team DM'd us on Instagram and said, Hey, we're trying to get a women's team going as well. So I don't know where they're at in their process. Um, I know Wazoo, um, they have a website, like you said, but we emailed them and didn't hear any responses back. Um, Boise state is up and running. Um, I know that they're for a fact, we almost played against them. Um, I think we're going to next year and then Montana state. So our closest competitors at the collegiate level, I think right now are Boise, Boise state and Montana state, which obviously has challenges in itself too. you know, the cost of getting there, but we're trying to support the other, uh, other teams in the area and other people get started so that we can have more, some, some closer competitors. And it's obviously interesting, you know, to see what you've had to go through, I'm sure with getting this set up and then knowing that there is that taking place in these other areas with these other universities. So it is interesting to note that because obviously I remember seeing on the schedule that that Boise State game was coming up when it was, I was like, oh, Boise State, you know. Yeah. Um, But it was really interesting um, to see that. It was kind of funny. I misspoke and I said that we talked, I think back in February, I looked at it. The first article I had from you guys is December 13th. So I was completely off and you were actually on the team at the time. So I, yeah, I slipped up. I that's in Seattle my memory. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was super cool at least to go back to it. I know that we were talking about the memories of the team just to go back for a second to, I think even at that game, you had a couple of friends come out with signs and I was like, okay. I was like, is Mia famous? So I was like, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> they're my but, roommates, but they're my biggest supporters. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's good to have obviously. And then, I mean, um, I think we'll get to it here with this next question, but seeing the reception that the the game got in that final game, uh, I brought the camera, I was ready to write, and it just more and more people continue to fill rank three, and it was incredible. I mean, obviously, I, I bought this one and a black one. They had all the beanies set up. I think they sold out of beanies, if I'm correct. Um, I've got my uh, sticker on my laptop here that I'm recording, um, but it got pretty damn loud in there people were cheering for both sides of uh both sides of it it was pretty damn incredible to see um yeah so and for me, that was cool that's very meaningful that we have a lot of support for our team but for me also it's very important that there are a lot of young girls in the rink who walk by and see us playing and realize wait a second you has a team like i thought if i wanted to play in college i had to go to you know um i had to go to michigan or boston or something like that but Minnesota but you know I think watching especially like the wild the young wild girls walk by or just you know other others um club teams and watching them stop and be like whoa what is that so just like being in that rink and just having that you know people can see us people can know that we're here um and yes we have a lot of friends a lot of parents who support us but also community members who who can see us and want to support us too yeah I mean just, just to, I don't know how much you heard from it, but letting you know what I was able to garner from that game, a lot of girls and women from, you know, just really young ages, like middle school and lower to like middle school, high school saying, hey, UW has a team, you know, and then UW people that were just 
just huskies people that you know men and women who just go to the university like oh i just i saw this and that because there was going to be a game here and it had, that was really incredible and i didn't really i didn't leave the rink until they said hey we're closing up you got to get out of here i was like oh. <laughs> it was it was pretty damn cool um so with that being said uh i, I don't know if you can equate it but how difficult was it just seeing it unfold or was it more of a, Hey, this is really taking off and I'm proud that it's where it's at. I'm sure there's a little bit of both, but what was the feelings towards uh, watching the season unfold after you left? I mean, I'm, of course I'm proud that they, that they kept going and took off while I was gone, but I have to say it was incredibly difficult to be away. Um, I know that I'm here and I'm fulfilling a dream, another one of my dreams um, that I've wanted to do since I was young, but you know, seeing the team progress and I'm just not there. Um, they had, they had their first picture day. Um, they had their first travel tournament. They, they had a, their first end of the year banquet and senior night and things like that. And those are sort of, you know, I did all this hard work in the beginning and those are like the benefits, um, that I could be, you know, reaping, reaping, but, um, yeah, so it's been pretty hard to be away. Um, but I have to say, you know, I have to remember why I'm here and what I'm doing and why I'm actually away from the team. Um, I am fulfilling another dream that I have. So um, professionally and, and otherwise. So it's just great to be here. Um, and I know that I'll be back next season for my senior year and I'll be able to commit 100% to the team for the whole year. So that's just something that's getting me through it. Knowing that like, you know, I'll be there next year. It's okay. This, this stuff is going on and I'm missing it, but I'll be there next year and it's going to be okay. It's going to make it all worthwhile. So yeah, it has been hard to watch while I'm gone, but I'm really proud of people who have stepped up. There's people who really just took leadership positions while I'm gone and have just kept the team going and thriving. Had our prospect camp recently with some high schoolers, people as young as like freshmen in high school, I think came to the, the prospect camp, which is incredible. Like people in the area now are realizing that they can play hockey in college. They don't have to go somewhere else. So yeah, that was pretty incredible. And I'm glad that people have stepped up um, while I'm gone, but I'll be definitely excited to go back in the fall. Well, good to clear that up. Cause I was curious about what your involvement would be once you returned. Um, but at least in regard to the senior group that uh, played this last season, I know when I took, spoke to them, they talked at length about you. What can you say about the senior group uh, that just, and technically graduated. I know that some of them, I think, said that they would still be involved with the team and some of them would be with Seattle Women's. Um, mm -hmm. What can you say about that group of four? Yeah, that group of four, they're incredible. I think um, none of the four of them played hockey before this year. Um, they have various other experiences. Um, so yeah, Megs, um, they had never played hockey before, um, but they're a senior now. They started to dive in and jump in and just start playing. And I know now that they're looking to play on Seattle Women's next year. So it's incredible um, that they developed that passion and that they're going to continue playing. Um, and Evelina as well, she actually isn't a student at UW. She is a Fulbright scholar, um, just visiting for the year to teach Finnish. Um, and she had never played hockey before, but she's from Finland, which I think most people, you know, are sort of born onto skates and they know the rules and things like that. So she had a basic background, but the fact that she just threw herself in, I think she was a bit nervous about playing with, you know, students since she's not a student, but I think she just threw herself in and she loved it. The team just took her in. She's one of us, obviously, of course. Um, and she's looking now for opportunities to play in Finland when she goes back next year. So we're going to miss her, but I'm really glad that she found that passion in herself. Um, and then Ariana, I think she had some figure skating background before coming to the team. Um, and yeah, it's been amazing to watch her bloom as well and just blossom. Um, she, you know, is working with a stick and a puck now, which is different from figure skating, but I think she's loving it. So, um, and she's actually roommates with Bonnie. So I think that's part of the reason that she wanted to join, but now I think she's found this own passion within, her, within herself as well. And then of course there's Bonnie, um, the last senior, she, I mean, she's my co-founder. She's like the person that's been with me since the beginning. Um, she's really been there, been supporting me, been helping me along the way, been doing this with me. I mean, founding the team with me. So we're really going to feel her loss next year. And I think it really speaks to her character um, to say that she has never played hockey before, but she volunteered to be our goalie for this year. 
Um, she just threw herself in, which I think if you do play hockey, becoming a goalie is a bit intimidating or not necessarily ideal, but she just did not care. She just, you know, jumped in and, and was like, sure, I'll be goalie. When you need a goalie, I'll be goalie. So um, yeah, that just speaks to her character a little bit. And we're definitely going to feel her absence next year. And we're going to miss her a lot. And I hope she can stay in the area. Yeah, I was curious about that because I know at the end, um, after that game, it was like, oh, some of them will still be. I was like, oh, what does that mean? You know, um, but no, I mean, talking to that leadership group, I think a few months before the season ended, it was they obviously mentioned you. Um, but just hearing about it was it was really cool just to hear you know, for, you know, from a leadership group in such a, I think it's a unique situation, you know, setting up a club team and then having to deal through it, deal with the pandemic and then just getting it set up with people who might not have ever touched the sport, you know, obviously I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it. So it was really great to hear from them um, and just hear their support even. Um, so you've already answered what your involvement will be for this group next year, which I, I'm, I was like, I don't know, are you going to be, you know, um yeah. what are you i'll be back i'll be president actually so i'm i mean again i was president last year but i'm throwing myself in again dedicating 100 percent. so i'll be there um <laughs> uh, what are you looking forward to this season up uh, this upcoming season i'm sure there's a couple different aspects of it actually getting to play once again seeing the new faces out there seeing the returning faces um you know seeing it grow i'm sure because at least for me as the season went on it looked like there were more and more you know people consistently that showed up what what are some of the things that you're looking forward to when we get around to the 2022-2023 season yeah so you definitely hit all the points um but also I think yeah I mean being back in person being back on the ice being back with my team I'm I miss them I'm really excited to go back um but also I think there's this aspect of I have worked so hard these past three years to get this team up and running now it's running it's fairly self-sufficient I mean I think it's definitely gonna continue on while I'm gone so now's a chance for me to just sort of enjoy it. You know, I can be there. I can, I can go to practice and enjoy it and not stress too much. I mean, president has their duties. They have to do things as well, but not stress too much about, oh my God, is the team going to die when I'm gone? Like, no, it's not going to, I know that. So, you know, just really enjoying it as a year to play hockey and a year to get to know my teammates. Um, I, I love, you know, getting on the ice during warmups and chatting with as many people as I can just walking and skating up to people that I haven't talked to in a long time. Like, Hey, how you doing? Like, haven't seen you in a while. Hope your classes are going well. Really just like getting to know my team. And like you said, we have new players coming in. I know from the prospect camp for a fact, we have at least two people who are dedicated to UW committed and they're coming to our team and then we'll do some more recruiting, but yeah, you're just getting to know new people um, and things like that. So I think the hard work it's, it's still there, but most of the hard work has passed. And now's the time for me to just enjoy the team as a team and just meet, like meet the players and, and engage with them and go on the tournaments. And I'm just, I'm very excited for it for a real hockey season. Um, and then, I mean, I feel like that was a perfect way to end things, but I do want to ask you about your time in Finland. Um, I know that obviously there was some other stuff that you were working with outside of hockey itself, but just kind of would like to hear I guess, both sides of it, both, you know, off the ice as well as on the ice for your time um, in Finland. Yeah, my, I spent 10 months in Finland. Um, Originally, I wasn't actually going to play hockey, um, but I reached out to my host parents there and they said, oh, yeah, you can definitely, like, there's a women's team here. So I was emailing back and forth with them before I got there. Um, so yeah, I spent 10 months there. Um, I was with the host family. I went to high school. I played on the local women's hockey team and that was an incredible experience for me. Um, I think coming out of high school, you know, I could have gone to college like everybody else, but I think it really spending that year jumping into a place, a country where nobody knows your name. You don't speak the language. You don't know where you're going. You don't know really who's around you. I think that's definitely an incredible experience. You really get to know who you are as a person. You get to know yourself. You get to learn your boundaries and, and, you know, what you're capable of and you can really trust yourself in the situations or learn to trust yourself. So that has been, that was an incredible experience. Um, meeting, meeting people, making friends. And then obviously my hockey team, I think was one of the best things I did in Finland. Um, they really pushed me to learn the language because, you know, there's tired of translating every single drill for every single practice, every single night of the week, you know, it's just that 
they're eventually going to stop speaking English and I'm going to have to learn Finnish. And so they really helped me, especially in the locker room, like the banter and stuff like that, you know, you can't do it in English. So I think uh, they really helped me learn the language and really helped me like get to know the culture. Um, they were like team sauna trips. We all go to the sauna together. It was really fun. And then um, also I got to see a lot of Finland because of that. We traveled to various different cities, mostly the ice rinks, of course. <laughs> so I saw a lot of ice rinks, um, but a little bit of other cities in the countryside and things like that. So yeah, it was definitely an incredible experience. I really am glad that I took that time to do that instead of just jumping into college. Um, and I, I think it definitely inspired me to get this team going and showed me that, you know, I have what is capable, like what's needed. I'm capable of getting this team going. I can do this. So yeah, it definitely helped me. So, you know, with that being said, I, I obviously mentioned thinking that last thing was a good way to end it, but no, certainly even this goes back to, you know, getting other teams set up around the area. Um, just really interesting to see where people's different journeys have brought them, obviously in all different sports, but with hockey as well, um, just to see the way that's grown, you know, and to see the general reception to this team, as I mentioned, and to see, you know, the growth of some of the players along the way um, has been really cool, you know, and I really appreciate obviously everything that you've done to get this set up. I remember I was actually working a Kraken game and I saw these two women with, they had, I guess they had bought them on auction, um, these men's hockey jerseys, I guess, that they had auctioned off. And I, I saw you dub and a hockey sweater. I said, okay, I have to. So I ran from my post. I was like, hey, uh, where did you guys get these? Because um, I was like, hey, I'm a Husky. I've, if these are something I could buy, I would buy one. Um, yeah. And they were like, oh, uh, I started talking about the men's team because I had seen something very briefly about the men's team at one point a few years ago, but I didn't give it any second thought. And then they're like, there's a women's team. I'm like, what do you mean there's a women's team? When did this start up? And they're like, actually, their season is uh, really close. And I was like, oh, shit. And then obviously getting contact with you guys and just seeing it all unfold has been really cool. So one, I appreciate you taking time uh, out of your day to to do this one, to speak with me for this, but just everything that went into it and then uh, being able to cover that last season, uh, this upcoming year will be a lot of fun. So uh with that being said i always put social medias in the description i'll obviously um like i did with coach uh have the website linked in um as well as the socials for the team but is there anything that you want to leave with anything that you want to just kind of end off with yeah i mean well thank you for having me I've, i'm really glad that you've taken interest in this team it really means a lot and it's, i think it's definitely helping us get going and I, I just want to say that I'm very proud of all of the players and coaches and community members who have come together for this team. And I'm very grateful to people who, you know, have never played hockey. And I think the hockey world in Seattle is growing now because of the cracking people are sort of discovering it and falling in love with it, um, with the sport. And I think, you know, now is a great time to be starting this team. I'm really grateful and pleasantly surprised and very happy about the response we've gotten from community members and people in general. Um, as well as the Kraken. So I'm just, thank you to the, everybody for supporting us. And thank you also to Charles for, for having me. I don't think I do that much. I just think it's the proper <laughs> representation that this team should have. So that's just the bare minimum. I've um, never had a, a media coverage of my teams in the past. So this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's like, if there's coverage of the men's team, there should be coverage of the women's team. That's just how it should be. So I mean, that's speaking of that, it's actually the 50th anniversary of Title IX this year. Yep, it has been interesting to see the uh, different teams around the I think the Sounders wore a patch the other day for it. The rain, I think, when they play Washington this weekend, they're going to have, and I think that's one of the theme of the match. So, obviously, I mean, that's a big reason of why I started the show was to not only, obviously, there's tons and tons of accounts that look at the Seahawks and the Mariners, and even obviously the Kraken now. But how many of them are giving the accurate representation to the Storm, who have the most titles in this city, you know, to the rain, who have world-class players? Not enough. Not nearly enough. Right. You know, so even, even on the UW's aspect of things, since I've been doing the show, the most successful team, um, we're damn near up and neck and neck with it, has been UW softball. And they don't get nearly as much as I would like them to. So, you know, um, it's part of the reason we do the show. Um, with that being said, I again, appreciate all the time that you took for this and looking forward to next. I really, I cannot wait to get back out there to the iceplex to see this continue. So Mia, I appreciate it. 
and uh, looking forward to next year. Thank you. Yeah. All right, and now we're going to head over to Woof Wednesdays here. Well, not technically Woof Wednesdays. This is the University of Washington aspect of the podcast episode here. Um, as we head over, only one little note here on the football. The Huskies got a commitment for the top 2025 athlete, um, the top athlete in that class of 2025, Lamasson Waller. He's at a Sultana High School in Hesperia, California. Standing at 6'2", 170 pounds, he's considered a two-way athlete that could make an impact on either side of the ball, but looks like he will be on the offensive side um, at Washington. UW, interestingly, only has four commitments uh, from the 2023 class and none in 2024. I thought that was a little bit interesting to see. Um, notable to get you know one of the top athletes in the 2025 class, but I'm wondering about the next two years' classes, so we'll have to see about that. Um, heading over to, there's no women's basketball or men's basketball news. Um, we'll head over to softball here. Softball, um, had, man, it's kind of a tough weekend. Um, so they began the regional, um, the Seattle regional against Texas, Lehigh, and Weber State. Um, the first game that they played, well, those were the teams that were in the, uh, Seattle regional. Um, Okay. Um, the first game that UW played uh, was game number two of the day on the first day of the tournament, um, May twentieth versus Lehigh, a nine to two win. The Husky Bats woke up a little bit later into that game, uh, but once they did, they started going and they never looked back. Um, play of the game center fielder Jalen Alchin, Alchin going two for four with a run and three RBIs. So that win would mean that the next day on the twenty first they would play Texas, who had won the first game of the uh, regional. Um, to basically decide who would get an automatic uh, bid into the regional final. Uh, so May 21st versus Texas, a 2-8 to eight loss. Um, this was a game that was tough because UW came out and got some runs early, those two runs early, and then never did anything after that. The offensive inconsistency was something that I was worried about heading into the tournament simply because of the fact that the Huskies did not come into the regional hot. They had dropped a series uh, to Utah. They had dropped the series to Arizona State. Granted, the Arizona State's one of the best teams in the country. Um, it was just not good to come into that. And they just did not... It's, it's talked about in sports all the time. Um, you know, if... You know, with uh, postseason, you want to come in... The teams that come in hot are the teams that usually you do not want to play against. And, I mean, like right now, UW baseball's hot, and they've gone into the uh, Pac-12 tournament uh, with 12 straight wins. How many that will result in uh, for the tournament, I can't tell you. Um, But, you know, it it was just, it did not look good heading into, it, it was like the Sounders last year. They did not go into the playoffs in good form. They hadn't won a game in like six games. Uh, six or seven contests, and they head into the playoffs and they lose in the first round to Real Salt Lake. Um, it's just, it is about how you finish. I heard it from coaches all the time. It's about how you finish. It really is. It's not um, just some bullshit that they petty. Um, it It's true. So, you know, um, it was it was disappointing to see that loss because obviously that would mean that with the double elimination, that UW would have to play again um, later in the day, and they would have to face uh, the winner of the game that was right after that May 21st game that UW lost uh, between Weber State and Lehigh. Lehigh would win that again, would win uh, to set up a rematch between the two teams, and UW uh, would be able to scrape that one out uh, 6-1. to the bats coming, oh, well, play of the game, sorry, for the loss to Texas with a shortstop Bailey Klingler going one for three with a run and two RBIs. It was a two-run homer in the bottom of the first. So, like I said, got off to a two-run um, advantage and then never did anything with it. Um, heading over to the second game, May 21st versus Lehigh, a 6-1 to one win, play of the game. Second baseman Kinsey Fiedler going two for four with two runs and two RBIs. So this is a game... Uh, I believe it was four of the runs that UW scored were off solo homers. And it was funny. Zion to, uh, Tupa, Tupolo Fatui uh, tweeted about it. And it was like, 
He's like, I'm all for homers, but getting your runs based strictly off of solos is a little bit scary. And he's not wrong. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, well, and even I think at the end of the tournament, UW scored 17 of its 21 runs via the long ball. That's not something that you would like to do, ideally. Granted, I'm perfectly happy with seeing Bailey Klingler launch balls into the stratosphere, but, you know, it, it, even in, in softball and in baseball, I'm sure it's just, you know, I'm sure it's the same in softball because I come with more of a baseball background, obviously. Um, you don't want to just rely on homers all the time. Um, so, you know, it was, it, like I said, you came into the tournament, you came into the regional in bad form. Um, it just didn't look good. It did not look good at all. Um, and even in the win, it was like, hey, so yes, like exactly that the point that Zion pointed out, you're getting a lot of these on the long ball, and it's not something that you want to be doing. So um, just really concerning, I would have said, you know, because um, winning 6-1 is great. I don't think that Lehigh got that one run until late, but it's still concerning. Um, so, uh, So they win versus Lehigh on the 21st that night. They would have to play Texas... If they wanted to advance to Super Regionals, they would have to beat Texas twice that next day. So May 22nd in the first game of the day, they did. They beat Texas 2-1. to one. Uh, Texas got on the board first and then played the game. Right fielder Maddie Husky had a one-for-two one day, going uh, one run, two RBIs, and a walk. She had a two-run homer to give UW the lead late, and they never looked back. That set up a pivotal second game where UW had to, once again, win in order to keep their season alive. Uh, May 22nd versus Texas in the second game, losing that one, two to three. The Huskies' season ends, unfortunately, in regionals. That's the it's the streak's been broken. They haven't lost in regionals um, in quite some time, uh, let alone losing games at home in the uh, in the playoffs. Um, play of the game for that one, catcher Jen Cummings, one for two with an RBI, a late RBI to put. UW at 2-3, but then unable to do anything after that. This is a game, again, where UW didn't actually get their runs until that bottom of the seventh. Um, you just can't do that. You cannot rely, excuse me, on the late offense. It's just not something that you can do. Um, so we will have a uh, season in review for you next week uh, so that we can properly prepare that. Uh, but it it is tough. Obviously, Gabby Plain and Pat Moore will be moving on as they now have no more eligibility left. Gabby Plain drafted to AU Softball, um, and wishing the best to both of them, her and Pat Moore. Uh, but just uh, just tough, just really tough. And there was some controversy in that loss to Texas in that second game. Um, I don't really want to deal with that today, so we'll deal with it next week uh, with the season in review. In team-related news, on the 19th, five Huskies were named to the NFCA All-Region team, including Bailey Klingler, who earned first-team honors, Gabby Plain, who earned first-team honors as well. It's Plain's third first-team All-Region honor and her fourth regional honor of her career, joining Taryn Alvilo and Caitlin Inglesby as the only other Husky pitchers to earn four All-Region honors. Um, Sammy Reynolds, Maddie Husky, and Olivia Johnson all earned second-team honors. Um... Oh, yeah, all named to the NFCA All Pacific Region team. So, UW finishes their season with a thirty-eight and seventeen record, uh, and we will have that season in review for you next week. Looking at baseball now, as we've talked about a little bit with how their season's gone, uh, baseball has won twelve straight now, including this four-game sweep against Northern Colorado. Um, May 19th versus Northern Colorado, a 20 to nothing win. Yes, 20 to nothing on May 19th versus the UNC Bears. A player of the game, left fielder Asia Guerrero. Guerrero going three for five with two runs and three RBIs. On the 20th versus Colorado, in the first of a two game, uh, in, in the first of a doubleheader that day, not sure why that was a doubleheader. Uh, UW won the first game five to nothing. Player of the game, AJ Guerrero in left field, going two for four with three RBIs. Um, in game one of that doubleheader, as I mentioned, May 20th versus Northern Colorado in the second game of that doubleheader, a 16-6 win. Player of the game, you guessed it, A.J. Guerrero, going 2-for-2 two two with two runs, four RBIs, and a walk in the second game of that doubleheader. And then to wrap up the four-game series against Northern Colorado, 
uh, a three to two win to complete the sweep. Player of the game, you're gonna get sick of hearing his name. Uh, player of the game, you're gonna get sick of hearing his name. Player of the game, oh, okay, I am broken. We're gonna reset here. Left fielder AJ Guerrero going two for three with two runs, an RBI, and a walk. So, uh, the Husky bats really. I mean, you look at that. What thirty six. Uh, 41, 44, 44 runs scored over four games. It's pretty damn good. Um, so the Huskies continue to end things, end their season off in the right way, you know, winning 12 straight. I believe that's the third longest uh, win streak in all of the country in baseball. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Uh, but they head into the inaugural Pac-12 baseball tournament in Arizona on the right foot. So it was announced on the 22nd that the Huskies earned the seventh seat for the inaugural Pac-12 uh, baseball tournament in Arizona. It is a double elimination tournament that features the top eight teams in the conference, the winner receiving an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Uh, the tournament um, for the Pac-12 uh, is in Scottsdale, Arizona. It runs from May 25th through 29th. Uh, in order for UW to reach the Pac-12 championship game, they would have to run through Cal, Oregon State, and UCLA, uh, which is not exactly an easy three teams to go against, considering that the team they're going to be playing first, Oregon State, is uh, one of the best in the country. Um, so the Huskies sit at a 30-win, 24-loss record to end the regular season. Their upcoming schedule is May 25th versus Oregon State with a 4.45 p.m. Pacific time perch pitch. And then if they win, they will play May 26th versus whoever at 1 o'clock or if they, well, no. If they win or lose, they'll play at 1 o'clock or 8.30. There's two different times there, but they're both going to be um, on May 26th regardless. So that has been the UW side of things. Uh, I have a weird sort of pain in my throat so i'm gonna get out of here i appreciate everybody that tunes in uh with that being said we'll see you next week and do whatever you can to make today a great day